So turn to Matthew chapter 6. So as children, I don't know if you were taught pray, prayers when, you're, when you were a child or not. Um, some of us were. Um, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for whatever. This food, this day. Amen. Actually, not a bad prayer. I was going to do that one. That one's in here. Uh, before that one, good food, great meat, good God, let's eat. Um, it's not really talking to God, though, if you think about it. Um, yes, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. My grandmother had actually embroidered this, the, that old prayer. I remember I had the old kid kneeling by the bed. And so um, I remember saying that every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, and there's different versions of this, but I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So that explains why I still, I don't sleep well. Um, <laughs> you think about that. Every night, you're praying for a good bed. If I'm going to die tonight, I might die tonight. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to die tonight. And then it's not even good theology because it says it's, the person's not even sure God's going to take them. It's like every night, I'm not sure I'm really going to heaven. Um, today, tonight, we have a better prayer, so um, a better one. Yeah. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, as we um, continue going through the Sermon on the Mount. What does it look like to be people of the kingdom? And last week, we were looking at some contrast with Jesus' address issue of prayer. I'm going to refer to two different books tonight, just briefly, but if you're looking for um, something to help you through the Lord's Prayer, uh, J.I. Packer's got one. It's an older book called Praying the Lord's Prayer. Um, just simple, kind of walks through what, is it, what does the line mean in some very practical ways to pray it out loud. And then the, the Living Prayer by Dennis, Dennis here. Um, Dave Drum knows this guy really well. He's the one who's led the pastor's prayer summits each year up in Mount Lemmon, has written a book on the Lord's Prayer, and he takes it apart and goes through it, and then very specific practical ways of how do you pray each of those things. So it's a very practical book, very worthwhile, and I'll refer to it a couple different times as we go through this tonight. Jesus has been con contrasting the self-made righteousness that the religious leaders had and then the greater righteousness that he's placed in people of the kingdom, that's us. In the process of doing that, um, he addresses uh, praying. We looked at that last week um, and inserts some instruction about it. So he's, he talks about praying, fasting, these wrong motives they had and doing for the right motives. He doesn't tell us a lot about how to do it, just says don't do it this way. But in the area of prayer, he does give us um, some instruction about the way um, um, prayer is all about relationship. And Jesus has his relationship with the Father. So he says, if you want to learn how to have relationship and be able to communicate the way a relationship ought to be, pray like this, because the son would know how to pray um, to the Father here. So he wants to give us ways to speak to him, ways to pray to the Father, praying that he is effective and listened to. He says, if you want that in your life, pray <clears throat> like this. And when Jesus comes along and says, here's a way to pray, it's probably good to listen. So he probably knows what he's talking about here. <clears throat> J.I. Packer says this about praying the Lord's Prayer. He says, this prayer is a pattern for all Christian praying. Jesus is teaching that prayer will be acceptable when and only when the attitudes, thoughts, and desires expressed fit this pattern. That is to say, every prayer of ours should be praying a praying of the Lord's Prayer in some shape or form. 
By the, actually, by the mid-2nd century, the early church had taken the Lord's Prayer and had made it a regular part of their praying schedule through the week. Uh, several times a day, they would use that as a pattern for their praying. And then during the course of that time, that's when they, um, this whole section of thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's not most of your Bibles because the manuscript evidence isn't real strong for it as being original there. But um, it was probably added, and that actually comes from 1 Chronicles 29, and we'll look at that at the end of our service tonight. The prayer is so familiar that either we just speak it out. Some of you grew up with some of us grew up in churches where we did it every week, and it just kind of you kind of spit it out and doesn't mean much anymore. Or it's so familiar we just don't pray it at all. And we've come up with our own stuff. We just go to God and going, "This is what I need," and here we go. Um, and we pray without much thought, which actually Jesus warned us against the last week. So don't pray without thinking about um, in in um, really embracing yourself into what you're praying. And so we want to do that tonight. I'm going to suggest that we use this as a prayer guide for all of our praying and for us to look deeply and carefully at what Jesus is actually trying to say here so that, again, it can begin to permeate um, the way we pray um, as individuals and as a church. So hear it again. Here's from Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Jesus says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but rather deliver us um, from evil. First, I want to just give a, a couple of general observations about this, and then I'm going to just take the, the individual pieces and very briefly just address a couple things about it. And then we're actually going to practice it a little bit tonight in terms of praying um, through the Lord's Prayer. So a couple observations. One, it's obviously it's got two distinct parts to it. Um, it's split in half here. There's, a, there's addressing um, praying to the Father, um, God-centered, your name, your kingdom, your will. And then the second half has to do with, has to do with us. It uses the word us over and over again. It's more us or other-centered. So he says, give us, give us, give us these three things. Um, interesting, there's a similarity between that structure and if you think about the Ten Commandments that were given, they're set up the same way. We've got the first section of the Ten Commandments are God-centered. The second half have to do with other-centered or our-centered things about us. Um, as a matter of fact, when Jesus summarizes the law, he says what it is. He says, love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind and strength. That's the first section, and it's, it's first for a reason. And then the second section, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus structures the prayer in the same way where it's, we're going to pay attention to the Lord, and then we begin to look at our own selves, but also each other um, in our praying as we move through it. Um, it's a model for how to pray. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, pray these words every time. He says, pray in like manner. Pray like this. So um, that it's okay to pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, uh, that's not what he's saying. But it's a model for praying. He's going to give us structure to help orient us that we would pray effectively. And we're going to kind of look at that. So he's going to emphasize certain things. And what he's saying here is in your prayers, structure yourself to emphasize these same things. And I'm going to help give you a kind of like a, it's like giving you a template. Like on a, if you go to, if on your computer and you want to do a resume and you get a template, right? And it's got the pieces you're supposed to put in there, but you fill your own stuff in. But it's got the template there to help you do that. That's what this is. So it's going to guide us along towards um, doing that. So I don't know about you guys, but um, praying, praying is a struggle for me. 
And some people are just so quick to pray, and it's easy, and they just think of it all the time. Others of us, it's like, um, and sometimes I find myself just doing like a psychological exercise. I'm like, I finished praying, going, I was just talking to myself. I mean, not that I didn't know God was there, but I really was just kind of, I wasn't even really thinking I was praying. I'm just doing this psychological exercise to psych myself up for something. And other times it's just, I don't know what to say. What do you pray? And I, I know God doesn't want me to just ask him for stuff all the time. And so um, it could be a struggle. And Jesus says, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to give you a, a template, a, something to help follow, to guide you in through doing that. Because um, the disciples are like us. Every time Jesus prayed, what did they do? Remember? Every time. They fell asleep. Every single time in the scripture, they fell asleep. So um, they needed help. Um, it's repeated in Luke chapter 11. Interesting, in Luke 11, which is a different time, because it happens in a different place, here Jesus uses the opportunity to talk about prayer. He says, I'm going to give you something, by the way, a little side thing. Um, who was it? Jerry sometimes when he preaches, going, I'm going to give you a little something extra on the side here. And he gives us a little teaching. So Jesus gives this little prayer thing in Matthew 6. But in Luke 11, um, the disciples actually, this is later on, come to him and go, teach us to pray. So, which is a great question, isn't it? Because it's just saying we can't do it and we're not doing it. Um, we remember you said something before, but it's not really working. Whatever they're thinking, they say, teach us to pray. And so Jesus has an opportunity to go, okay, great. And what does he do? He tells them exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing he told them the first time. He says, I, you know, what I said was good before, so it's still good. So he gives them exactly the same thing. Um, almost word for word, we get the same thing out of Luke chapter 11. Um, I love it because it's simple. It's, um, it's easy to remember. You can Little kids can memorize it. Um, it's short. We love short things. Um, and we're going to discover it's comprehensive. It covers everything for us as he walks through, and only Jesus can do that. Um, it's intended to make kingdom-impacting prayer available to anybody. That's what it's for. That we could pray in a way that impacts the kingdom for, for God and his glory that a little child could do, and that everybody else can do too. And that's, that's what he's trying to do here um, for us. Notice it's a community prayer. What's the first word? It says our. It's absolutely significant to understand when Jesus calls them to pray, the prayer is done as a community. So it doesn't mean we can't pray individually. We're supposed to. Jesus did it all the time. He went away alone and he prayed. But the idea here is both pray in community, but even when we pray, pray mindful of community that we are part of a larger community that gathers in prayer. So even when we're in all different places, there is something, you know, the Revelation talks about there's these bowls of incense that were like this prayers of the saints, and they're all going up. And those bowls are sometimes gathered as we people get all together and pray, which we do, and individually, but they all come together as the body of Christ prays. And so it's significant that Jesus says, he begins with the word our. It's a community prayer. We're always supposed to be thinking of one another in our praying and each other's needs, as well as praying in the context of one another. Our prayers come together and strengthen us as, as we lift them up to the Lord. Um, so like I said, our greatest prayer comes when we, we are together, helping each other. As a matter of fact, have you ever prayed, and you're sitting there going, I'm supposed to, I should be praying something, and you can't think of anything, but somebody else prays something, and you like trigger something, and then you pray? That's, that's one of the, the good things about praying together. It helps us pray with each other. Um, when we first come to Christ, we don't know what to say. It's, it's absolutely horrifying to have to pray in front of other people. And yet you sit there for years and years and hear other people pray. 
and it helps instruct our own hearts to pray, whether it's out loud or whether it's in our own hearts. So we pray together. And so also we pray with a community mindset. Um, and that helps us avoid the self-centeredness that so often dominates all of our praying. Next, it's directed to who? It's the Father. Our Father. And it's, it's significant that he does so. Um, the scriptures tell us that we pray by the power of the Spirit. That Spirit actually prays for us. He gives us words. He, he works our hearts to him. But Jesus says our prayer is directed towards um, the Father. This is actually a bit unusual as the Old Testament, outside of the Psalms, um, does not really emphasize the Father very much. It doesn't use that word very often. Interesting, the Psalms do a great deal, and Psalms are full of songs and prayers, aren't they? Um, and so it, it, it's strict here, but um, it wasn't. And even in the, um, the synagogue, the, the, the image of the Father was, was, was not emphasized. Jesus comes along, and the Gospels make a huge emphasis on the Father. It's over and over and over again, um, Jesus directs there. So he says, pray, when you pray, pray to the Father. Interesting, going back a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day, we talked about the verse from 1 John 3, see how great a love who has for us, the Father. Um, and we were supposed to kind of spend time just thinking about the Father's love. I, I was sitting back wherever all the babies are at about 1 o'clock today, and I, was, I said I'm just going to, try to pray through this prayer a little bit and get my, and so I, I, fell, I fell asleep actually. Um, I got like halfway through and then all of a sudden I like, and then I looked out the window and I thought, well, I hope nobody's out there looking in here. I'm just looking, I'm passed out on the floor back here. But um, I was meditating on the, thinking, okay, God, our Father, what's it like to actually come and be before the Father when we're going to pray? What's that like? And, and, and letting the Holy Spirit dismiss all the negative thoughts that come, can come with that and some hurts or whatever comes to our mind, and remembering what is God the Father like? Remember we were saying, put meditate over and over again on what does it mean that God the Father loves us? And as I sat there longer and longer, all, all I could see is Tim's going, come on, tell me, what you, tell me what's going on. Tell me. And an and, and eagerness behind him going, I can say anything. And he's not going to look this way or that way. He's just right there, um, and he's ready and there's this heart that's ready. And so Jesus says, I want you to remember who you're praying to. And it's not this one who's there with a hand ready to strike, but it's this, this loving father who gives good gifts to his children and is just waiting for them to walk in the door and tell them what's going on. He wants us to get that picture. And so Jesus says, and I love it, says every time you pray, he says, "Our you go to the father. Remember who we're praying to. And when we, we learn to know him better, it settles us in going, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. And so the reminder here is that every time we pray, we remember who we're praying to. And so he says, remember, Jesus, and it's interesting that Jesus, when he does that and says, pray our Father, he is inviting us into having a relationship with the Father that he has, the exact same relationship that Jesus had with the Father. He's inviting us into that. And that's huge because there was an intimacy and a connection there that just goes beyond words. And Jesus says, when you pray, I'm inviting you into that same relationship to enjoy exactly the same thing. It begins with, um, the prayer begins with our Father who art in heaven. Um, and uh, that's kind of the introduction. It starts with what? It starts with a God who's way out there, way out there. And in the end, it comes down to a God who takes care of our food, all the different things we need. But it begins with a transcendent, great God. And there's a reason for that as well, because when we come in prayer, we are um, 
We are surrounded by chaos, and we are burdened by pains, and we are looking at all things going on in the world, and we have all of our anxiety, and, or whether we're just not even thinking about any of that, whatever it is, um, we are buried in this place. And the first thing he says when we come to pray, remember that God is not. That he stands above it, not outside of it totally, because he's right in the middle of it too. But we first remember God's transcendence and his greatness and the fact that he stands above it all. And so I can go to him going, he's not in the middle of the mess. He's the one who, who stands over it um, in full control. And to go into prayer, first thing is this issue of we do it together. We do it remembering who we're talking to. And then we remember, we start out with he's, he's a great God. Um, he's a God that's going to hear. He can answer. He can do anything. He's, he's not restrained by the things of the world. He's, his feet are not mired in this place. He's not preoccupied with all the things. He's not troubled thinking what's going to happen next. None of those things go on with God. He stands above it all. So he says, remember first who you're talking to and where he sits. And he sits beyond. And then that puts us at rest. Because I have a father who wants to listen who's so close that he actually can sit face to face with me and say, I want to hear you, Chris. But he's also one who stands above it all. And he, he is, um, the way we thought our dads were when we were like three years old, he can do anything. He can do anything. And here the God, the Father, is actually like that. So he wants us to do that. Puts us in a place of trust and rest and con- confidence and a counteracts the press of anxious thoughts and cares and the chaos around us. Okay, so let's examine now the two parts. Um, there's two parts, each have three petitions, very simply. Two parts, three petitions each. The first one, the first petition is what? It says, may your name be hallowed. Interesting word. May your name be hallowed. The word from hallowed just comes from the word for holy. Just comes from the word for holy. So some of your Bibles may say, may, holy may, be, may your name be holy. Um, it doesn't mean that his name is not holy now. So we're not asking him to make his name holy. But we're asking, it says, may your name be recognized for the, the holiness that it is. That's what we're praying. That his name and his reputation would be lifted up both in our hearts and lifted up in the world around us. That's the petition. First thing. We go to this great God, this Father, the one who loves us, the one who's above it. In our first petition, God, we want to see the holiness of your name raised up above everything else. That's what we want to see. Um, That's the goal of our prayer here. That his holiness would be declared here on earth in the same way that it's declared in heaven. As a matter of fact, when it says here, we'll get to this in a minute, but it says on earth as it is in heaven, I think personally it's referring back to all three petitions. So we want to see his name be made holy on earth as it is in heaven. How is his name declared in heaven? Well, all you've got to do is go to a couple of places like Isaiah, some of the Psalms, go into Revelation, and look what goes on there concerning the, 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 uh, this, the angels and the elders and all these things around God's throne and just this um, incredible scenes of declarations about the glory and greatness of God. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying we want to see that here first, in my heart, and second of all, we want to see it go into this world. Um, we live in a world that does not hallow God's name. Um, it gets used for all other different kinds of things. It's not recognized. His reputation is maligned, everything else. And as people of God, we're praying that his name would be declared holy in this place. And like I said, first it happens here, 
and then it's supposed to happen as we go out, and we're praying that that would be accomplished. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the one who is holy, who is high, and who is lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. And Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name um, give glory. So is God's name hallowed in the world? The answer is no. Is it hallowed in my heart and in my life? That's the first question we ask. Um, Dennis in his book says this, Pray that his name would be holy to you so that it would be holy through you. Pray that his name would be holy to you so that it will be holy um, through you. Um, the world gets a picture of the holiness of God and the declaring of his name through us. And so we pray that his name would be um, holy. The second petition, he says, may your kingdom come. What does Jesus desire us to pray? That his kingdom would show up in all its fullness in the world. And we've been studying the kingdom early in Matthew when we worked through this. We saw that God, Jesus said the kingdom is right here in your very midst. It's here. And we also saw that it's here, but it's not yet here. It hasn't completely um, had its impact in the world yet. So Jesus has come here. He's brought the kingdom but we're still waiting for the fullness. And so Jesus says, when you pray, be praying that my name would be made holy, praying in your own heart and the world as well. And then secondly, pray that my kingdom would come. So what, what's he actually asking us um, to do here? It can be a prayer to, for two things. One, it can be a prayer for what we call the second advent, the day when he comes back and he finally brings an end and, and a completion of all of his work, the day that... Um, that he finally just the righteousness reigns on the earth. So it's a, it's a prayer for that. A long go, come back quickly. Um, come back quickly and a heart for that. But it can also be a prayer for, in the meantime, Lord, make your kingdom more full here in this place. Let it be seen in new ways. Let it spread to every aspect of our world, of our city, of our streets, all these different places. Let your kingdom start showing up in all the places where it hasn't seen yet. Remember the little circles that we'll actually go to later again this, tonight? The little circles I did at the beginning of Matthew, we had the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth, and we, and we carry the kingdom in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom. And so this is a prayer to say, let that go forth more. So it's going to some campuses in, in some fresh ways. It goes to wherever we work. It goes down the street. We carry the kingdom. We want to be praying towards um, that end. We ultimately want to see the public display of God's rule on this place. That's what we're praying for. We long for his arrival. Um, and as Cameron sung, we sometimes sing, do we long for it here first? Let your kingdom come in my own heart first. Not only to sit here, but actually to reign here in this place. Packer says this, To pray thy kingdom come is searching and demanding, for one must be ready to add the words and start with me. Make me your fully obedient subject. Show me my place among the workers for the kingdom of God. Use me, so far as may be, to extend the kingdom, and so be your means of answering my own prayer to let the kingdom come. Made sincerely, this is a prayer that the Savior who calls us to self-denial and cross-bearing and consent that one's life should be lost, one way or another, in serving the gospel, may have his way with us completely. Do we really seek this? In other words, to be lost for the kingdom, whatever it would take to see the kingdom expanded in my heart. When we say, may your kingdom come, I'm saying, God, whatever you need to do in me to see it happen, 
Okay, do it. Do we really seek this? Have we faced it? Let every man examine himself, and so, only so, then let him speak the Lord's Prayer. Again, a dentist summarizes this by saying, pray that his kingdom comes in you so that it will come through you. Pray that his kingdom comes in you so it comes through you. So again, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. What are we praying? I long to see him. I want to see his visible reign again someday. But I'm praying, Lord, take a greater reigning of all the places in my own heart and life, all those places I've held to myself. And in the midst of that, Lord, let your kingdom start showing up in all the places we would not expect it, all these different places. And how can I be a part of that as he wants to spread that? Number three, may your will be done. Third one, third petition. Basically, it just means to see all the commands and the purposes and callings of God fulfilled. Um, it's a prayer of trust that God knows best. Saying, God, your will be done, meaning whatever you're doing, whatever you're going to do, I'm trust that that's best. And I look around the world going, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'll trust you. May your will be done in this place, and I'll trust it. Ultimately, when we say may your will be done, it's a prayer of submission. Then it says this, pray that his will would be done by you so that it will be done through you. Pray that his will will be done by you so that it will be done through you. When we pray, Lord, your will be done, um, chances are, personally, a few things will come to mind right away, things that we're not doing or things that we know that he doesn't want us to do or things he's called us to do and we've failed to do or we've neglected or put aside. Um, and so I say, Lord, your will be done. He's going, okay, Chris. So remember that? We talked about this, doing this. What about that? Okay, so I'm going to do that. That's part of the prayer process. But we're also praying for his will in the world as well. Um, there's a Puritan writer, um, Richard O'Lean, um, and reflecting on the Lord's Prayer back in 1755, he said this, I am no longer my own. When he prays this, this part of the prayer, my will be done, what he's, what he says, what we're praying is this, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, and rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. That's huge, isn't it? To have a heart that says that and then to embrace what he brings. Um, We say, thy will be done. We are just placing ourselves underneath the creator of the universe and saying, here I am. Do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, I'll take it. And then these three petitions, uh, may your kingdom come, um, and may your will be done, and may your name be made holy. It ends with on earth as it is in heaven. As I said, I think this applies actually to all three petitions. Um, Two things to note. um, Our prayers have a transcendent aspect to them. We're saying these things are going on in heaven. This, this is your heart. This is, this is what you've already promised you will fulfill. In other words, the answers are already there. His, his kingdom will reign. His will will be done. His name is going to be made holy. Those are already marked out in heaven. So our prayers have a transcendent sense that when we pray them, they are already completed in the sense, in the fact that God is the one who holds them. But they also, um, um, they have a very um, imminent part of them too. We're saying, now now bring that up there and and make it show up in very specific, tangible, practical ways in our world um, today. 
So actually, I've got the, um, the little, the little uh, circle things we did before. We have, remember in the beginning, we had the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, and God created everything. They're one, and then sin separated them, um, and so they're, they're apart. And we looked at the fact that God's heart was to restore the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth as one. So he had to figure out a way to enter back into this place. And so he created an overlap called the, the tabernacle, where the, the presence of God dwelled. And then he's going, that's not enough. So Jesus comes and he inhabits that spot as God himself coming into the kingdom of earth. And so he brings those two together in his person. He gives his life to us. And then what we said, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. So we all carry the kingdom of God. When we pray, um, may your name be holy. May your will be done. May your kingdom come. We are praying for a movement of the kingdom of heaven to eclipse the kingdom of earth. So they're one. That's what we're praying. God, do that. Do it. And we just keep praying it again and again and again and again. The great news is it's going to happen. That's, that's God's heart, and that's what he's bringing us to. And he's chosen to use us. And when we pray it, guess what happens? We begin, this is a side thing, we begin to notice the ways he wants us to be a part of that. Um, and if we're not praying that, we're going to have job, this, this, that, none of the things can be connected, and somehow we're Christians in the middle of it. When we pray this, we understand that all that we are, God is, wants to use to help press that and to bring about that in our lives. Second half of the um, prayer, there's another part, part two, there's also three petitions. And they're for ourselves and for one another. They follow the God-centeredness of the first three petitions and God's movement, that we are part of that, that we get entered into that. And once we're caught up in that, then we come to with these other three petitions um, that are a little bit more about us. First one is grant us bread. Grant us bread. Um, it, it represents anything that, any of our physical needs. Um, he made us physical people. He cares about our physical needs, our, our, our desires, our longings, all these things we need. He uses the word bread here because it's, um, I think it's meant to refer back to manna, right? So where people are in the desert, the Israelites are wandering, they have no food, they're all going to starve to death unless God gives them food. And so every single day, right, one day at a time, God provided bread for them. And so when Jesus says, pray this, give us this day our daily bread, it's for right now, just today, one thing at a time. And what is it? Our daily needs. He's going to provide. It's a, it's a recognition that I'm dependent on God to provide what I need. Um, that's what this prayer is. So it's a prayer of dependence. Um, that God, understand that God is the only source of everything we have. So Jesus comes along and says, do you have needs? And he answers, yes. <laughs> We've got a million of them, whether it's I need something to eat, I need a place to sleep, um, I need something over my head, I need a new tire for my car. I, it could be anything. And there, there's no limit to those things because he cares about those things. He says, come to him and ask for you, but also for others. Give us this day for one another. And what does he say? Bring it to me and just remember you're dependent on me. I'm the one who provides. It's a prayer of dependence. So Jesus says, go ahead. Go to God and ask him to care for those things. And it's saying, God, you're the one who provides all things. You know what I need. I'm going to trust you for it. So um, give us this day our daily bread. Second one, grant us forgiveness. This has to do with our spiritual needs. Um, it's a gen in, in general, it's a prayer that God would meet the spiritual needs of our life. 
Um, specifically here, it's a prayer for his ongoing grace and mercy in our lives, which when we understand it and receive it, what does it happen, what comes from it? It fuels grace and mercy into the lives of other people. So both of them, it says, forgive us our debts as what? We forgive those who have sinned against us. Um, and so Jesus comes along and says, pray for your, your needs, the very basic things you need, because I care about those things, like a father who wants to care for his children. And then come on and, and say, grant us our spiritual needs as well. We need to know his mercy. We need to know his forgiveness. We need to know his love. We need to know the Spirit's activity in our hearts. Um, all those things that he wants to work in us. And then he says, as, as God gives them to you, give them to other people as well. Be the conduit by which people experience those as well. Interesting, I'm not going to go into because I really don't get it, but there's a sense of when we hold unforgiveness and withhold it, um, there's a warning there for us in that passage. And, um, but if we really pray for his ongoing grace and mercy and then we pay attention to it, how can we not grant forgiveness and mercy to one another? And then the third one here, um, oh, by the way, there's that, remember that parable of the rich man, the guy who owes money? And he owes a little bit, or he owes a whole bunch, and the king forgives him all this stuff, and he's like, yeah. And then he goes to the guy who hardly owes anything, and he just nails him to the wall and throws him in jail. Jesus goes, that's not what this is about. That's not what we're supposed to be about. Um, when we, um, prayers for and thanksgiving for his mercies, which are new every morning, should be producing a grace-filled community towards one another. His mercies are new every morning for who? It's for us, for all of us. And it should produce a community that's grace-filled. And the third petition, grant us deliverance. Grant us deliverance. Um, Lead us not into temptation, but rather deliver us from evil or the evil one. There's several aspects that are probably referred to here. Um, Remember that um, when Jesus is just about to to give his life and he says, Peter, um, Satan wants to sift you. He wants to sift you and bring you through a hard thing, and I've let him do it. But when it's over, you'll, I'll strengthen you, and you're going to strengthen your brothers, persevere through it. That's a sense here that the prayer here is for that, um, that we would, one, not succumb to temptation. God, the things that grab a hold of our hearts, we're praying, God, don't let me succumb to those things, and, and name them, because we know what they are. And go to me, you know where I go with this and what goes on. Lord, show me those ways past that. Give me guidance about that. Bring it to heart and mind. Bring people along. Ask him to help you not to succumb. Second of all, ask, it's a prayer to say, increase our faith in the midst of the attacks that come our way. Help us to trust you. Because, you know, when we, when we succumb to temptation, what we're really saying is, God's not going to take care of my needs. I've got to find it somewhere else. And so, Lord, increase my faith to trust you that you'll actually care for my needs. And then thirdly, it's a prayer that we would not, um, that we would not falter under trials. Um, temptation and trials sometimes get used interchangeably here, and we undergo all sorts of trials in life. And the prayer here is Jesus saying, pray and ask God that he would help you not to falter or buckle under the trials that will come your way. Um, we usually pray about the things when they've already happened, right? Um, he says, be praying all the time, Lord, give me strength that I would be strengthened in the trials that are still to come. Um, and we pray that as all three of these things, give us this dear daily bread, grant us forgiveness, and grant us deliverance. We pray for ourselves. We pray for one another. Because um, I know if I need those prayers, 
Mike needs those prayers too. My son Micah needs those prayers. We each need those prayers from one another. We're supposed to pray for each other. So how do we pray like this? Lots of different things we can do. We declare his greatness. We declare his names. You can actually use the names of God as a way to pray. Um, um, Bill often will mention the name of God, and it has a meaning to it, and it helps fuel our prayers So as we give him praise about that and what they say about who he is. We can pray for his sovereignty over a sinful world. We can pray for his return. We can pray that he would show us places in our hearts where the kingdom isn't reigning. That's part of that. Let your kingdom come to this prayer saying, God, show me where you're not reigning in my heart. I know I've held some things to myself. Ask him to show us his will. Pray for a dependent heart and give special attention to thanksgiving. Ask for a tender heart towards others, especially those who have wronged us. Ask for faith and perseverance in your day, and then pray all those things that come to mind for everybody else, because we all need them as well. Janice, I'm going to bring the, the worship team's going to come up, and what we're going to do tonight um, in our time that we have remaining, um, we're, going to, we're going to sing one song, and the, the song just aligns ourselves with the God who's great, just to, just to remember in the midst of this place, we have a great God. We want to declare it. So we're just going to sing one song to align our hearts. And then I'm going to um, come up, and I'm going to actually walk us through the Lord's Prayer one phrase at a time. And I'll give you some instructions of how you can pray that. And some of it will be praying out loud. You can, those that want to can pray out loud. Some of it will be just praying silently. But I'm going to walk us through that. So just use the song to prepare your heart. Um, then I'll walk us through the prayer, and then we will prepare ourselves for our, our time of communion.